Good morning again. If you have your Bibles, let me invite you to turn with me to Romans chapter 10 this morning. Our text this morning will be from Romans 10. We will also, if you'd like to follow along, um, we'll have this text for you on the screens, but we'll also spend a little bit of time in Isaiah chapter 52. So if you want to uh, put your tab there, mark that. Romans 10 and Isaiah 52. As we continue in this series that we've been in for a couple of weeks now, um, referring to it as our win series because we're talking about worship, evangelism, and nurture. Um, these are things that I believe are express purposes of the New Testament church, right? When we think about Mount Zion as a corporate body, as a group, as a community of believers, why do we exist I believe that in these three broad and distinct categories, we find the answer to that, that, that we exist individually and corporately to worship God first and foremost, and that our worship for God, our obedience to Him, our response to the salvation that He has given us through Jesus Christ should lead us to evangelize and share the gospel with lost people, and we're going to talk about that specifically this week and next week. And it should also lead us to nurture, disciple, build up one another, and we'll look at that in a few weeks as well. But, but this morning, as we spent a couple of weeks looking at this idea of worship, the object of our worship being God, the, the personal nature of it, the corporate nature of it, now we're going to look at this idea of evangelism. But quickly before we look at the text, what do I mean whenever I say evangelism? So for me, I count every instance of sharing the gospel with a lost person as being evangelism. I've got a, a, a dictionary definition for you here. This is from the Holman Bible Dictionary. It refers to evangelism as the active calling of people to respond to the message of grace and commit oneself to God in Jesus Christ. So very much the same idea, right? We're sharing the good news about Jesus Christ with lost people in the hopes that the Lord will use this to stir their heart to, and turn it to Him that they would respond in belief. So this could be with a neighbor or co-worker, right? What we normally think of the word, the term evangelism itself, right? Of actually just sharing the gospel with somebody that we meet. But in this broad category of evangelism, I count all of our missions efforts as well. So if this is going on a short-term mission trip, right? Maybe you're going to New Orleans to work with Emmanuel Community Church down there and you're going to be doing an outreach project, I would count that. We would usually say that's missions, I'm putting the two together, missions and evangelism, because the hope in doing that is the same, that people will hear the gospel and be called to respond to it, right? You go to an unreached people group in Central Asia with some friends that we have there, it's the same thing. These all fall under this category of evangelism, at least in the way that we're looking at it together. And I do believe that every one of us have been called to this task, and I also believe that we corporately, as a body, have been called to emphasize and work towards this task of sharing the gospel with lost people. Just a little bit ago, Brother Graham read for us from Romans 10, 9 through 13. And in that text, in that text it's very familiar probably to a lot of you, we find what I feel is one of the most succinct 
explanations of what is encompassed in someone becoming a Christian, right? Someone coming to the point of salvation. I just want to read verse 13 because I do think it helps sum it up well before we look at our text for today that's going to start in verse 14. But verse 13, Romans 10 said, For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Now, Paul at that point has already explained that this includes confession and belief, right? There's a lot to this idea of everyone who calls on the name of the Lord, but it's a great reminder to us, or at least to me, that Scripture tells us that anyone, anywhere, at any time that places their faith in Jesus Christ will be saved. And that is good news, amen? That is good news. Good news for you and me, and it's good news for every lost person everywhere. If they turn in faith to Jesus Christ, they will be saved. And it's a great background for our text today. So verse 14 starts a new paragraph. It's a bit of a new thought for Paul, but it's continuing in this idea. So look with me there. Romans 10, 14 says, How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? Now, let me go ahead and dispel one rumor, one, uh, one false idea that we see a lot of times here. People see that last word in verse 14, and they say, preaching. Well, that's not me. That's Brother Zach's job. That's a couple of other men's here job that I'm not called to preach. The, the word here can just as easily be interpreted as teaching. It's proclaiming is what the word, the, the actual translation. It's how are they going to hear without someone telling them. So don't, don't think you can kind of sit back and just listen to this one for somebody else because this is talking about us, right? This is not talking about just people that are called to preach. Now this verse as we look at verses 14 through 17 this morning, there's a very logical argument here. But to me, it's not just a logical argument that grabs my head. It is a sobering argument that grabs my heart as well. It's a deeply challenging belief that Paul lays out for us here. It's almost as he, he shares this great, beautiful declaration that we want to say amen to, right? Everyone, everywhere, at any time that calls on the name of the Lord, that turns to Christ Jesus in belief and confesses Him as Lord, will be saved. And we say, Amen. But then it's almost like there's this conjunction here of a but. There's not actually there. But I want to read it to you if you put these two ideas together how it kind of connects them. It's, it says, Everyone who calls on Jesus will be saved, but how will they call on Him if they don't know about Him? Right? And it's a great argument. It makes so much sense, but it's not just for our head, brothers and sisters, for those of us that are in Christ Jesus. This is for our heart. You know, some of you have moved before. Some of you have never moved. Some of you have lived in the same place or the same community in the same area for all of your life. Maybe around Brookhaven and Lincoln County a little bit, but you haven't moved very far. Well, well, just to give you a little bit of an idea, for those of us that have moved around, there are, some, there are several things that are difficult about whenever you move to a new area. But one of the ones that's probably most difficult about moving to a new area 
is finding somebody that you trust to cut your hair. You know, it's just, there's a lot that goes into finding somebody that you trust to cut your hair, especially whenever you get to the point in life that you're not sure that it's growing back, right? If they, if they gap it, it may just be this way. So whenever I moved here, I needed somebody to cut my hair. I had no idea who I was going to get to cut my hair. And, and it just so happens that Miss Robin Brakefield that cuts my hair was, was sitting right here all this time while I'm looking for somebody to cut my hair. And thankfully, somebody told me, you know what, Miss Robin cuts hair and she does a good job. I said, well, great. That'd be good. She can cut my hair. And she does. She cuts my hair. She cut it this week. Didn't she do a good job? All right. A couple of you laugh. A couple of you say, yes, I don't know how to take that. So we're just going to move on. But, you know, joking aside, this idea that I was, I was looking, I was looking for somebody to cut my hair. And she was right here in front of me. But if none of you would have ever said, you know what, she does cut hair. Or even if I would have known she cut hair, but I had no idea if I could be able to trust her to cut my hair or not. Because some people cut hair and they don't do a great job. If somebody wouldn't have said she cuts hair and she does a good job and you can trust her, then I would still be looking for somebody to cut my hair. And I think we see a bit of that here, right? On a much more personal and a much deeper level because people are looking. The, the co-workers and friends that you have, the people on your ball team and the, the parents whose kids are on your kids' ball team that you spend time around, they are searching. And they are searching for meaning in their life and they are searching for peace in their soul and it's right there, available to them. But how do we expect them to call on somebody that they don't believe in? How do we expect them to believe in someone whom they've never even heard of? And you say, oh, we live in Mississippi. Everybody's heard of Jesus. Yes, maybe they've heard of Jesus. Maybe they know the name. Maybe they know what Christmas and Easter are about. But has anybody ever told them, and he is good, and you can trust him, and he does really make a difference? Brothers and sisters, Paul lays out for us here this, this very succinct reminder that it is important that we share the gospel with people. If we believe that everyone, everywhere at every time that responds in faith to Jesus Christ will be saved. Do you believe that? Y'all agree with me this morning, right? We're all in agreement about that? Like, for real, nod your head. I'm just, I'm trying to work through this together. Right? We all, all right, so we're all in agreement about that. We also recognize then the logical flow that in order for them to do that, they have to hear the gospel, right? And so where we come into the picture is... We are the people that are called to share the gospel. And we all agree on that as well? Yes. This is important and it's valuable because how do we expect somebody that doesn't know that they're lost to try to be found? How do we expect somebody that doesn't know about the goodness of God to turn to God to look for good things? How do we expect somebody that doesn't know about their sin or about Jesus' sacrifice to just all of a sudden turn and be saved? We don't. And so point one this morning is this, the gospel is necessary for salvation. 
I want to camp out there for just a moment because this, this is a truth that is sometimes overlooked in some ways. For people to be saved, it is necessary that they hear, understand, and believe the gospel of Jesus Christ. There's an old adage in Christian circles that, that many people love. You can find it on bracelets, you can find it on t-shirts, all kinds of things. The slogan says this, preach the gospel and if necessary, use words. Y'all have heard this before? Some of you have heard this, you've seen this written. And look, whenever it first came out, I'm like, that's good. I like that. That's really good. But one time I heard, I actually went to a conference, and, and the idea of the conference was the importance of the gospel message. And now, don't get me wrong here, right? I understand the basis of that saying, Right, The basis of it, that, that we should live lives that show people that Christ has made a difference inside of us. Right, Our lives should point to there being something different about us. Y'all have heard the idea that you can't lead a horse to water, or you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make him drink. I heard a friend say one time, you can't make him drink, but you sure can make him thirsty. Right, Our lives should make people thirsty for something more. I understand that. That's not lost on me. But what I do think is missing in that is what Romans 10 tells us here, right? It says, if necessary, use words. Well, Romans 10, Romans 10 says this, it's always necessary to use words. And it's always necessary to use very specific words, not in the sense that you have to say the exact same thing, but people have to hear the gospel, in order to be saved from their sins. People aren't going to get saved just because I'm joyful. People aren't going to get saved just because you are gentle and loving and caring. They're much more likely to listen to what you have to say. But if that's all you ever do, and your coworkers say, Man, you know what, Zach sure is a nice guy. And they never hear the gospel, then they're going to go to hell thinking Zach sure is a nice guy. And it's not going to make the difference in eternity that it needs to make. They have, it's both and. They need to see the witness of our life and they need to hear the gospel message. What do I mean when I say the gospel? So let's just be very clear about that, right? We understand that the literal translation, it means good news. What is the good news? Well, the good news includes the fact that they are lost. And you say, well, it doesn't really sound like good news. And if that was all of it on its own, it would not be good news. But people need to understand that they are lost. They need to understand that because they have sinned and done things they should not have done, that they are separated from God. They also need to know that God has made a way for them to be reconciled to Him. A way for them to be forgiven of their sins. And that way is through Jesus Christ. He is God and He became a human. He lived a perfect life. He died a perfect death. And He came back to life and He's alive now. And every person who recognizes that they are a sinner and needs a Savior. And that Jesus is the only Savior and calls on Him will be saved. So this is the gospel message. People are lost and in need of a Savior. Jesus, through His life, death, and resurrection, offers them a Savior. And if they place their faith in Him and call on Him, they confess that He is Lord, they will be saved. That is the gospel message. So what I'm saying this morning is people should see the witness of your life and they need to hear you say that. 
I'm not saying that this morning, let me be clear. Paul is saying that to us in inspired scripture this morning. He continues with this thought in verse 15. And how are they to preach or how are they to proclaim unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. Y'all ever come across verses in scripture maybe you're reading during your personal reading time or you see this verse somewhere and sometimes you come across something you say I have no idea what that means and you just kind of skip over it and keep going for a little while in my life that was me with this idea of how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news I thought I have absolutely no idea what that verse means but I know it's in this this middle of this idea that we should be telling people about Jesus so we should be telling people about Jesus And then I just moved on. Well, if that's been you, let me invite you to take just a moment to consider this. Because I have loved, loved, loved the picture that this text displays for us for a long time now. So I have to take you back to a time in the Old Testament. It's the the Babylonian exile. If you know about that, God's people had rebelled and done things they shouldn't have. And so God had punished them. He had disciplined them by allowing Babylon to come and take them over. And so Babylon comes in, and they didn't just take them over. They wrecked the lives of God's people. They came in, and they destroyed the temple, and they knocked down the walls of the city so that it's no longer even any good to live in. And then even if it was, it wouldn't matter because they burned all the houses. And then... Everybody that was anybody, if you were smart, if you were a skilled worker, if you were noble, if you were rich, they took them as captives. Hundreds and hundreds of miles away to live in Babylon. And so that's what life is like for the people that that first saw this, this quote that Paul gives us here. For 70 years, they are captives in a foreign land. They're having to learn a foreign language. They're being told to bow down and worship these idols or be thrown into fiery furnaces or be fed to lions, right? This is what life is like. Daniel and and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were living in Babylon. That's a picture of what things were like for God's people for 70 years. That's what life is like. But then, and you can turn to Isaiah 52 if you want to see this with me. In Isaiah 52, God is declaring... The time of punishment is over. Enough is enough, and I'm setting my people free. And this is what it says in Isaiah 52, beginning in verse 7. How beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him who brings good news, who publishes peace, who brings good news of happiness, who publishes salvation, who says to Zion, your God reigns. The voice of your watchmen, they lift up their voice. Together they sing for joy, for eye to eye they see the return of the Lord to Zion. Break forth together into singing, you waste places of Jerusalem. For the Lord has comforted his people. He has redeemed Jerusalem. The Lord has bared his holy arm before the eyes of all the nations. And all the ends of the earth shall see the salvation of our God. You see, these people have, their life has been wrecked and torn apart, and it's been everything except what they wanted it to be. Some of them for their whole life, right? In 70 years, some of these people were born in Babylon, and they've only even heard about 
this idea of living as free people and living in a place where you can speak your language and, and living next door to your kinfolks and, and raising children the way you want to and going to the temple and worshiping God. This is only something that they can imagine because they've never seen it. And then God declares, this time of punishment is over. And Babylon falls and there's a decree made that God's people are free. And they are free to go home. They don't have to be slaves anymore. They don't have to be spread apart anymore. They don't have to live like these pagan people anymore. But Jerusalem, where this news needed to be shared, was a long way off. And somebody needed to go tell everybody that this declaration had been made. So go with me here for just a moment. Do any of you... And I'll say, I ask this question, it's rhetorical, let me go ahead and say. Do any of you know where the name of the race distance, the marathon, came from? Y'all know where they got the name marathon? Well, if you don't, let me share it with you quickly. So, this is back during the days of the Greeks and Persians, right? And they're going to battle each other, and they're going to battle each other at this coastal plain called Marathon. It's the name of the place. And so the Persians are the stronger army, and they're the larger army, and they're the stronger people. And so it's, it's pretty clear that what's going to happen is they're going to come in, and they're going to crush the Greek army at Marathon. They are just going to obliterate them, and they're going to march right up the road to Athens, and they're going to take over. And so the Greeks, this is what they expect. Right, this is the end. Our army's going to a glorious death at Marathon, and then they're going to come here, and they're going to capture all of us. Well, that's not what happened. They get there, and the battle takes place, and the Greeks win the battle, and they're able to repel the Persians, and they push them back out to sea, and they're celebrating this great victory over the strongest army in, in the whole world. And there's this one runner this messenger named Pheidippides. And Pheidippides has one job. Pheidippides, we want you to run back to the capital and tell everybody the news. And so Pheidippides does. He takes off and he runs. You know how long it is from Marathon where the battle took place to Athens? It's just over 26 miles and Pheidippides runs 26 miles. That's where the race gets its name, right? 26.2 mile race called the marathon. And he runs all the way there. And the, the story goes that he bursts into the capital chamber where the people are meeting. And he tells them, we won. We defeated the Persians. And then you know what happened? He fell down dead because he just ran 26 miles. And then we have people here in the church that sign up to run these same races voluntarily but but here's what i want you to see brothers and sisters isaiah 52 and romans 10 are a picture of this right god's people have been in exile they have been they've been dominated by another nation they've had to live as captive people and now they are free 
And this picture, it's drawing like the people that were left in Jerusalem who have been separated from their family, who think they're still slaves, who don't even know that they've been declared free because nobody can send them a text or an email. It's like they're looking out because their job as watchmen is to look, and they see this man running over the hills. And it's not an envoy of people, and it's not an army. It's one man, just a lone man, and he's running with all of his might. And they know this is one of our brothers. They can tell by the way he looks. This is one of us. What is he running for? And as he runs, he comes in. And what he's telling them is, we're free. We're free. God has turned his face to us and he's removed our punishment. And your families are coming home. And we're going to rebuild this city. And God is going to be worshipped in this temple. This is what life is going to be like. And it says, how beautiful are the feet of Of those who bring good news. Point two is this. Brothers and sisters. The gospel is beautiful news. Now. I I think in order for us to remember this. We have to remember what life was like. Before we were Christians. Right. Before you knew Christ. Before you knew the peace. And the joy and the happiness, and the forgiveness that comes with Jesus. You have to remember, whenever sin was stronger than you, and you couldn't tell temptations no, because that's the life that lost people live, right? They, they cannot tell sin no. They're not stronger than sin. There's no choice for them. And so they have addictions that they absolutely cannot break. And they have habits that they cannot kick. And these sins and these things ruin their families. And they tear their lives apart. And they cause them to lose jobs over and over. And it causes them to live this life. It's just a cycle of darkness and evil and sin. And feeling like maybe they're doing a little bit better and then falling back down. And that's what life is like for lost people. It seems like there's no hope. There's no way to escape this. But the truth is, there is hope. And there is a means of escape. And there is a means of forgiveness. And it's Jesus Christ. And it's right there. The price has already been paid. Their life can have meaning and real, true, lasting purpose. And they can be given strength to overcome these things and to get their life right. But it's not by some self-help management. It's through declaring that Jesus is Lord and giving their lives over to Him and being given the power of God through the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. And it's available to every one of them that will turn to Him and confess Him as Lord. And we are the runners. We are the messengers. We are the ones that have been told how it is that people can be saved. And now we have been sent to go and tell. The rest of our text in Romans Romans 10 verses 16 and 17 helps us to see the importance of this again. Verse 16, but they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed what he has heard from us? So faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word 
of Christ. Brothers and sisters, we want these people to come to faith so that they can overcome these things, so that their lives can be put back together. But how does faith come? Faith comes from hearing, and hearing what? Hearing the word of Christ. Hearing the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so we have to go, and we have to tell. Just imagine if Pheidippides had decided, I don't want to go. I don't really care to run there. His only job was to go and to tell. And if he just said, I just don't want to. Right? The people are in the capital and they're expecting at any moment to see the, the, the army, the Persian army coming over and, and taking them over. And they're fearing for their life and they're in anguish. And this man has the news that they need to be set free from all that stress and all that anguish. And what if he had just said, I just don't want to go. Right? The same thing with God's people. They're set free. And what if somebody says, well, I don't want to go to the outskirts of Babylon and tell people they're free and they can go home. I just don't want to. And those people would just continue to waste away in anguish because they didn't know this truth. And brothers and sisters, what if we, as God's people, who have been told to go and make disciples of all nations, who have been told to serve as Christ's witnesses, who have been given the Holy Spirit to give us the power to do this, just said, I just don't want to. I don't want people to look at me like I'm funny. I don't want people to think differently about me. I just don't want to do that. I mean, I know all the answers, right? We can think of a million excuses. We don't need a million excuses. What we need is one firm commitment to recognize that this is what we've been called to do. I thought about this this week. I shared it with Amanda last night. I said, you know, what if in the end, what if my life, whenever I'm, I'm dead and gone, looks kind of like, what people remember about Pheidippides, right? That guy, he had a life. He had to have done lots of other things. All anybody knows about him is that he heard the message, he went and told the message, and then he died. That's all anybody knows about him. What if that was my life? If people said, you know what? Brother Zach, he, he heard the gospel, and he never got over it. He was so thankful for Christ's salvation that he just spent his whole life telling people about Jesus and preparing other people to tell other people about Jesus. And then he died. You know what? I wouldn't think that, that was a waste of anything. I think that would be a great legacy. I think that would be a great way to spend my life if people said he heard the gospel, he told the gospel, and then he died. This morning, I want to ask you this. Do you have a firm commitment to share the gospel of Jesus Christ with lost people around you? I want to invite you to stand. We're going to prepare for a time of response. And really, your response to that question, your response to that question, I think, should help you know how to respond today. Maybe your response to that question is, no, I don't tell people about the gospel because I don't believe in the gospel. And if that's you and that's your honest answer, I'm thankful for your willingness to be honest with yourself this morning. And I would tell you, I would love to be able to talk to you. Say, why should I believe in the gospel? Why should I believe in Jesus? I would love to be able to have that conversation with you. It's not going to be a one-minute conversation down here. But I would love to be able to talk to you about that. Set up a time when we can meet. Maybe you're here and you say, you know what, I, I know the gospel and I believe in Jesus and I'm a Christian. But no, I have not. I have not spent much time in my life telling other people about Jesus, I would say that this text is calling you to be recommitted to that or committed for the first time, that you recognize that this is not just important, it's imperative. It's your calling. You are a runner, a messenger. We must go and share the message. And if it's you and you say, yes, I do, I do share the gospel, then maybe this morning just praise God for that. Praise Him for what He's done in our life 
and praise Him for the opportunity to share such good news. This morning we're going to have a song sung as um, Jesus, What a Friend for Sinners. I think a beautiful reminder for us this morning. Maybe you just want to listen. Maybe you want to sing along this morning. But I would just ask that you would use this time of response to do whatever the Lord's calling you to as Brother Shane leads us.